What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Protein Bros Podcast. My name is Thatch. I'm the director of the show. And today for episode 92, we have Anthony Mendoya, the owner of Brave Enough CrossFit Gym and the founder of the Battle of the Brave CrossFit Gym, which is happening this week. We couldn't be more excited to highlight the competition. It's out in North Kansas City. If you're not doing anything, you got to go. It's epic. It's so cool. Now, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about his gym, his time in the military, but we also talked about two great charities that this all supports. One's called Creative Vets, and the other one's called The Battle Within. A lot of subjects near and dear to his heart, and it's a fantastic discussion. Seriously, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We don't do any type of paid advertisement, so all we ask is if you do love the podcast, please share it with your friends online and help us out there so we can share the word and keep supporting all these awesome people within our community. As always, thank you guys. Please like, share, and subscribe, and enjoy. How the hell did you get into CrossFit in the first place? Oh, that's and, and were you working out beforehand any which way? Like, were you into fitness already as it is? Are um, you an old school CrossFitter? And what does an old school CrossFitter mean, Kyle? Since you've always got an opinion on this. He's, he's more of an expert CrossFitter than I am, so we're going to ask him. Okay, so I would say... I would say people who were in the world were, or it came into CrossFit at a time. That so people, close. Okay. Close. Yeah. people who came into CrossFit at a time when you actually were looking at CrossFit.com, posting yeah. your, your uh, times on that, yeah. reading the CrossFit journal. Was it even .com or wasn't it .net back then? Uh, when I got it, it was .com. Okay. Yep. So I started CrossFit in 2008 was my first workout. And mm-hmm. so before that I, I was in the Marine Corps and, uh, Story goes like this. I get out of high school at 150 pounds, right? I go through Marine Corps boot camp right out of high school, and I am 130 pounds, right? <laughs> so I go through school of infantry, go through all this training, and uh, I get up to my unit, and basically I'm getting my ass beat all the time, right? In a million ways, right? Like carrying all the gear, having to keep up with everybody else, and uh, keep getting, uh, we're doing like ground fighting. They call it MMA now, right? We just called it ground fighting. So we're doing all this, and, uh, I just realized like, I got to get bigger. Like I got to be able to like actually, you know, defend myself. So I started doing regular bodybuilding. Excuse me. Dude, everyone does that. <laughs> yeah. It takes one. one. Yeah, yeah, you're good. So we uh, started doing bodybuilding and um, I kept getting these gnarly things in my back. So like I'd be in the middle of the training cycle and then my back would like seize up. And it got to the point where I was having to get like muscle relaxers and steroids. In my and you're back. like 19, 20 years yeah, I'm old. Like, yeah, I'm like literally. So I get out of the Marine Corps uh, in 2007 after my first enlistment. And I keep doing the bodybuilding thing. I'm a pretty big guy. Um, but I never have felt strong. Never really have felt like super capable. Um, it's just like always in the back of my head, I felt kind of fragile. And then I, uh, and it's kind of funny, but I saw the movie 300. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, dude. You're, and, uh, you, you still, I was bringing that up. Yeah, I'm Go ahead. So I saw the movie 300 and yeah. I started doing the, you know, kind of research about it. And the guy who trained the actors for 300 was Mark Twight. And he was one of the original CrossFit gym owners. He's a famous alpinist. Um, and it was in at Utah. the Jim Jones gym, yep, right? Yeah, at the Jim Jones gym. So I was like, okay, what is this? Well, I was reading all of his articles and I was like, what is CrossFit? He keeps mentioning CrossFit. So I typed in CrossFit to Google and the first thing that came up was the workout and it was 30 overhead squats for a time at 135. So I went to the gym on base. Couldn't do an overhead squat, I'm guessing. Literally cleaned the bar up, like, and it was just a reverse curl. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. And, then, yeah. and I'm like, how do I get this over my head? And I couldn't. So I stripped the bar down and I tried to squat and it was the most God awful thing you've ever seen. And luckily I was alone. I squatted onto a Home Depot bucket with the, my arms like bent, like the worst overhead squat you've probably ever seen. And I remember I felt so like just deflated because I was huge. I could like, I could, my camis wouldn't fit on my arms. Like I was a big guy and I was like, What? So I went over and I did one more set of bicep curls and then that, that and then I was hooked. Like I, I made myself feel a little bit better. And then that was my first CrossFit workout and I never looked back and I went from there. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and so you trained CrossFit the whole time you were in the military then? Uh, after, after, yeah, after that. that. Yep. So basically got off my first enlistment, had only been bodybuilding, went back into the Marine Corps after that. And I was just hooked. So what was your weight at this point? Um, so I went from 130 pounds out of boot camp to by the time I got up to my duty station and I was there for a year, I got up to 180 pounds. Damn. And that is just tons of chow hall Rid- food. Ridiculous difference. Oh yeah, yeah. Huge difference. And then from there, I um, kind of hovered around that 185. You and know? you were, this is a time where you were definitely like a hard gainer too, correct? Mm-hmm. Like it was oh, yeah. like you had oh, I was to, taking, 
Yeah, you had to stack everything you could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Russian yeah. bear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so just trying to eat as much as I could. So, anyways, yeah, uh, started doing that, and and then yeah, from there it was just crossing. I'll be honest, like I was that annoying guy in the gym that was like, cr- like screaming when I hit a snatch and it was like 135. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like, I mean, oh, yeah. looking back with like, a good stomp on the oh, ground yeah, as you're doing it, exactly. you know, as, you, as you land it. And I have so many cringe videos of me like doing <laughs> shit. Uh, I'm pretty sure I almost like broke my back trying to do freaking uh ring, uh ring handstand pushups when I was oh, yeah. in college. Oh, Cause I got out for a couple of years. I did college and I was like, and I'm, I'm literally on the campus and doing this stuff and people are looking at me like, who the F is this guy? And I'm like, well, I'm the CrossFit guy. I'm the CrossFit yeah. guy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they did that so, in the games, and I remember uh-huh. watching that and thinking, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, Dude, um, I was just going to say, you were in a situation where, you know, you got into the military, and then you knew you needed to be in better shape, knew you needed to gain weight. My good, like, this is a, one of my favorite questions to ask any veteran. It's just, what what made you feel called to serve in the first place? Oh, that's a great question. Um. I, uh, to be really honest. Yeah. Cause when you're young, re- like people, people's difference, like when they get out, yeah. it's a totally different feeling than when they got in. So my oldest memory is, and I don't have many from this time, but, uh, when I lived in Boston, I grew up in Lawrence, Massachusetts. So um, we're there and my mom asked me, Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a superhero. And there was just something that always intrigued me. I grew up watching, reading X-Men and Ninja Turtles and all that stuff. And so for me, I've always, I always had the thing of like, I was really attracted to the idea that there were people that would help protect other people. And that just kind of stayed with me. And I'll be honest, I actually never thought about the military until I heard about Navy SEALs because I saw The Rock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? Exactly. I was like, what movie was it yeah, for Yeah, for you, sure. You and know? I was and a swimmer and I sucked at every other sport. I couldn't play football. I only wore the jersey because I thought girls would like me and mm-hmm. I didn't work out in high school, right? Um, but I was a pretty decent swimmer. And then I heard about these guys named, you know, that were Navy SEALs. And I was like, oh, that sounds badass. I want to do that. Yeah. Um, be a frog man. Yeah, yeah, right. And so then, my, and I'll, you know, I'm at a pretty vulnerable point in my life uh, as a sophomore in high school. And I met these two guys named Nathan and Doug, and they both wanted to be Marines. So guess what Anthony did? That's right. <laughs> I became a Marine. A Marine <laughs> yeah, instead. Real fast. And so I, I signed up. Uh, I actually enlisted. And I just, in my head, I was like, oh, I'll do the Marine stain for a while. And then I'll go do the Bud stain. And I just never did the Bud stain. I stayed with the Marine Corps. Dude, uh, that's, that's, and that's an interesting one because it's like, you know, from an outsider's perspective, who's not served, I think, you know, when you hear the few, the proud, you know what I'm saying? Like you think the Marines are its own, um, arm of the military Mm. and then Navy SEALs are obviously a branch of the Navy. Mm. Right. And so can you just go jump straight into Navy SEALs or do you have to do Navy first? Um, so the, if you were in the Marine Corps, they used to do a thing where you can do a branch changeover and then you could go directly into BUDS if you had people sign the right papers and you had, you know, all the, uh, recommendations, or, and, you know, yeah. and to be perfectly honest, I actually tried, I was a staff sergeant in the Marine Corps and I called, it was in 2011 and, uh, I was, I was out in Camp Pendleton working for the wounded warrior battalion. Uh-huh. And it's essentially this unit that was built to just take care of the wounded, ill and injured Marines and sailors. Um, because units can't do all that they need to take care of those guys because they have tons of medical appointments and, you know, uh, psychological evaluations, you know, have to be on medications. So they built this place where all of these guys could go and get taken care of. So I was working there and I was getting to the end of my time there and I was like, well, I'm going to go, I want to go do the SEALs thing. And I actually called up the recruiter for BUDS and I'm like, hey man, like, I'm a 300 PFT or like I'm freaking twist steel. I can do anything you need me to. Like I'm ready to go. And he's like, nah, bro, pipelines backed up for like four years because they did this huge marketing campaign when they came out with zero dark 30 right? and all those movies. Like that Mm. was the Navy was pushing that because they needed more people because they were utilizing the special forces so much. So I called him up and he's like, how old are you? And I was like, uh, yeah, I was like 29. He's like, yeah, bro, you're too old. We won't have it. Yeah. That's crazy. That's wild that he would say that too. Being somebody who obviously spent a bunch of time in the military and has also, um, you know, dedicated their life to, to physical fitness now, um, I've seen that the military has now begun to lower standards for fitness. Um, what's your opinion on that? And also, what do you think that, do you think that we're going to see a problem with that in the future? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you really care about people, you hold them to the highest standard possible. And when you have people who are literally your life is on the line and the lives of the people you care about, and then the needs of your country, 
like, yeah, you need to have the highest standards possible. Mm-hmm. And what's really sad about that is the people who are making those decisions aren't the people that are actually running the show, right? Like, you know, the I'm sure it's not the officers that are lowering the standards. It's not the generals. It's, con- you know, Congress and all that. that totally. Are, that are pushing this. And it's like, no, man, like, you know, the, the thing came out a few years ago where they were talking about how they used um, tear gas at BUDS. Yeah, oh, did you yeah. guys hear that? Yeah. Somebody, yeah, somebody that. recorded it. Yeah, they do that in the Marine Corps too. Yeah. And honestly, you need to know what it's like to because if it's gonna if you're gonna use it. So like one of the things we had to do when we were in security forces was we had to get OC'd. So you know what mace. OC is? Uh, mace times a thousand. Oh wow. <laughs> it literally feels like somebody's slicing your eyeballs open and pissing freaking um, like hot sauce in there. Yeah. It is the worst experience I've ever had as far as pain goes. Um but we, it had to be used on us because you need to know what it feels like. And it, of course, if it's ever taken from you and used on you, you need to know how to fight through it. So they OC you and then you have to go through this whole, it's like you Amaze, run over this, right? yeah, you basically run over this guy, you punch the bag, you go to the next guy, you kick it. And then there's like one guy who you can't even see. And then they try to, it's weapons retention. They try to take your pistol and you have to fight them off. So, um, and yeah, so when you lower those state, well, one, like human beings are amazing. They have the ability to do anything you put them up to like, but that you need to hold the standard high. Mm-hmm. So lowering the standard is doing nobody any good. I, I, what's I, confusing it, it, besides to me, one thing, which is just trying to get more people to stick with it. Yeah. Right? yeah but it, uh, it making can, it easier to win. It feels like a participation trophy. Yeah, yeah, right. But the thing is, I think people want to feel like in my opinion, I mean, I run a CrossFit gym, like, People only do CrossFit because they look at the work and they're like, damn, that's going to be really hard. And it's the way you feel when you accomplish it. Mm-hmm. And for and it's just like you join the military because you want to be challenged. You know that it's going to be challenging. So it's literally the inverse. Uh, you're, you're attracting the wrong people. Yeah. If you don't like, if you're not looking for the deeper thing inside yourself that is only going to come out when you're a challenge, you shouldn't be in the military. Yeah. Right. So like, and don't you feel like the training weeds them out for the most part or no? Like that's what I well, thought that's it used to thing do, is right? Yeah, well, I think it used to. So it's right? like, and yeah, now, if your intent is off, if you're doing it for the glory or you're doing mm-hmm. it for the, you know, deriving your own self-worth from it and, mm-hmm. you know, you just want to flaunt or something like it gets rid of that really fast. Yeah, typically, or some, right? some programs do, you know, I mean, think if you're going in some basic military, you know, Marine Corps, regular army, whatever it is, I think you're always going to get kind of a, there's going to be a continuum, right? Of like people who are there for the right reasons. People are there just because they want college. college right? And that's okay, it. right? But to say that you're going to actually lower the physical standards when your job is about your physical ability, whether you're driving a truck or whether you're literally bounding across a battlefield, you know, shooting rounds down range, right? Like do, do you your think, physicality is everything. Do you think they should... Uh not to make this whole podcast about what the military should do to, <laughs> to fix itself, but because, you know, you mentioned the different jobs that are involved in the military. I, I read somewhere that 90% of jobs are not combat-related jobs in the military. Do you think that there should be, like, some kind of different standards for a non-combat-related job versus combat-related job? Um, no, not really, because, I f- again, I feel like everybody, and, I mean, CrossFit's proved this. I have women in my 9 a.m. CrossFit class at Brave Enough that can do more pull-ups than some of my Marines could. Yeah, so there's no, it's not about physicality, right, or, or capability. It's about, like, putting in the work, mm-hmm. and that's all that matters. And here's the thing, is you always have to think, like, they're like, oh, I'm not in a combat role, but you're going to be overseas, mm-hmm. right? And those lines, things break there's down. not walls, yeah, right? right. All things there are real fast. Frick, yep, exactly. You got some sandbags and some Constantino wire, and that's it. That shit can go south really, really quick. So you better still be able to perform. Mm-hmm. And, that, I, and again, like, we're getting, especially with the war on terror, we got so in this idea that we're going to go over and we're just going to make bases feel like America. And it, and it's like, no, like, it shouldn't be like that because it lulls people into thinking that they're safe. And then what did we see? We had a bunch of bases that were actually attacked from the inside, right? So all in all, I think, nope, the standards need to be the same for everybody. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the Marine, you know, the Marine Corps sayings is like, every Marine is a rifleman-ish, Right. You know, not, uh, they all qualify with the rifle and I would say the vast majority of Marines are riflemen. Um, but that should be the standard is that everybody should be able to perform on demand. One of my good buddies is a Sergeant right now, uh, in the Marine Corps. And he said that they lowered not just the, the standard, like for as far as physical fitness, but also like they got away from doing like the measurements, right. They used to like measure your, like your neck size Mm -hmm. and so forth. Do you know why they would get rid of that? that Too many people had standards. 
Right. Yeah. But then that was the thing we were dealing with. It was kind of ridiculous in my circumstance because these people were wounded, right? They were still, at the time I was in, I got out in 2013, I was put in charge of the Marines that were out of physical standards. And I'm like, these guys are on dozens of medications. They're missing limbs. Mm-hmm. No, no wonder they can't PT, right? Sure, sure. Um, so in that, I think that would be like the only exception. But then in the other ones, I think it's because you're getting so many people that are, I mean, look at our population, you know, yeah. like 75% of people over. The military is just following the, yeah, yeah, the exactly. population mm-hmm. trends. Basically. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. you know, it used to be, it was vice versa, that it was also the military would start something and it would come into the culture outside of the military. Yeah. And it feels like now it's flipped. And all of a sudden they're following whatever the and that's culture's the, doing. And that's the part that's like very frustrating to see. Cause like you're saying, it's, you know, we're, we're sitting on the sidelines during COVID for example. And like uh, our messaging isn't, you know, everybody needs to obviously be more in shape, needs to exercise more regularly, needs mm-hmm. to, um, you know, really look over what foods are putting in their bodies. Instead, it's just like, stay home, mm-hmm. take this medication and live in fear. Oh yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's sad to, to see that. And like you were saying, you know, what inspired you in seeing a movie like the rock, mm-hmm. right? Oh, that was the movie, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And like, uh, you know, one of my, one of my absolute best friends roommate for years. Um, I even was his roommate when he got, um, he was a reservist and, and got called over and did a year overseas. And, um, you know, he grew up with black Hawk down saving private Ryan. And you're like, man, is the military funding these movies? <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, Because absolutely. like, man, it absolutely motivates, uh, especially a young person who's impressionable, mm-hmm. um, to, you know, put some more purpose with their life. And it's like, now what are they watching? That's going to, oh, well, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I have no idea what would be the thing that would make them motivated. And especially once they've lowered the standards like that. Yeah. But it's like, man, why can't we make that propaganda be for good again? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And I mean, at, at some, you know, I mean, I grew up watching Predator, uh, Black Hawk Down, uh, like all of those movies. And yeah, I think there are certain people that are just drawn to that kind of thing. And I mm-hmm. think it was really good. I mean, I just say, hey, go back and watch all the 80s movies and you'll be good to go. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just a better time in the world. 80s yeah. action movies. Listen to Hulk Hogan, man. Take your vitamins and, yeah. and work hard <laughs> yeah, and it. you'll be this good. Is, this is off topic, but have you guys seen the uh, previews for the new Roadhouse? It's uh, got t- Conor McGregor in it. Really? Bro. Jake Gyllenhaal is Looks uh, Patrick awesome. Swayze. Looks really? awesome, dude. Okay, all right. <laughs> I can get behind that. But just what we were talking about. Actually, that might be a 90s movie. No, know. man, it was 89. No, that was 80s. It was 80s? Yeah. Yep. 89. Yep. It was classic. Oh, yeah, classic, those were awesome. Dude. The Roadhouse was, um, you know, it's funny. I met a, one of my good buddies was a, a bouncer. And I said, like, oh, dude, what's the first day of training like <laughs> for being a bouncer? He's like, just watch Roadhouse. Yep. And I said, are you serious? <laughs> and he was, like, dead serious. Really? He's like, yeah, he's like every single person that's ever worked in the line of work of being a bouncer. Your training video is just watch the movie Roadhouse. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> be nice. Be nice. Be nice. And then as soon as you get them outside, you can kick their ass. Nice. But I love it. You just got to be nice until you get them outside. That's awesome. <laughs> and I was like, is that true, Kyle? Kyle used to wreck some people in college. No, I didn't. But I was he a bouncer. Used to wreck some yeah. people in college. I think he's curb stomped a handful of people. No, that really, right? I've not. Really, I've not. But I think one of my friends <laughs> lost a tooth based on Kyle. Okay, your friend lost a tooth because of his own decision. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even like the main person in that, but I w- bared witness yeah. to it. Weren't you really nice though until he got outside? I was real nice all the time. <laughs> Bouncing is a bad job. Bad job, dude. Not as bad as being overseas in the desert, probably, but like. Here's the difference, though. Like, you go over there knowing, like, hey, bad good guys yeah this is like is the guy too drunk you know is it a it's always yes they're too drunk you know? and then you're just like oh, i really don't want to okay i'm gonna have to knock your teeth out yeah like, my girl's yeah. in there a lot of people's girls you're are in there <laughs> remember that yeah. it's like wayne's world yeah it's like, my girlfriend's in there he's like a lot of people's girlfriends are in there you're i haven't seen that in a long you're time. gonna stay out here bud <laughs> yeah dude yeah b- bouncing not the best job yeah. okay so to transition into, you know, a real reason we wanted to sit down with you today, a big reason was specifically Battle of the Brave. Oh, yeah. Badass CrossFit competition that you guys have been putting on at Brave Enough CrossFit for I've a done decade. It. I can attest eight to it. Years. This okay, is we're years. getting close. Yeah. Getting Almost, close to yeah. nearly a decade. And <laughs> Which it's is one, crazy. Yeah. One Congrats the, on that, dude. dude yeah, thanks. It's, 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 um, we've, we've, we know a lot of people who've put on events. We know a lot of people who've put on big CrossFit events. And I can tell everybody here listening, it is a wildly difficult thing to do year in and year out and do it at a high level. And you guys have come out to be one of the most premier events. Battle of the Brave has got to be the most premier event, I think, in Kansas City for sure, as far as CrossFit goes. Uh, but now getting that way on the Midwest, it's something that sells out every year. 
Um, what drew you guys into starting that? And, and, you know, I do want to make sure that we touch on the, the charities that you guys support with it too, but we'll get to that here in a minute. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so before I opened up Raven of CrossFit, I was living out in California. I had gotten out of the Marine Corps and then I was just kind of floating around being a scumbag and trying to make it to regionals. Uh, ended up going in 2015. Um, with uh, Brick CrossFit. Mm-hmm. So I'm hanging out there, just working out a lot. And honestly, I was just suffering. I had lost my friend to suicide, and uh, my best friend to suicide in 2012. And it was just kind of a, a downhill progression. It's one of the, probably the main reasons I got out of the Marine Corps as well, is I just couldn't kind of, I wasn't of use to anybody at that point. So um, I... Uh, is this all mental, if you don't mind me asking here? Oh yeah, like, for sure. Nobody else knew. You know what I mean? Like I'm... I'm Working for Progenix, which is a supplement company, or used yeah. to be the yeah. premier supplement uh, company. So I'm going around all of a sudden California. It's my area. And I'm just working out every day, posting pictures, having fun. And, I, you know, I was enjoying my time out there. But inside, I was just suffering really bad. And um, so one of my friends, he was a police officer for the Kansas City Police Department. And just out of the blue, I hadn't heard from him in a long time. And actually, fun, funny story, he was supposed to be on the buddy program with me going into the Marine Corps. But the day we went to MEPS to leave, he couldn't do enough pull-ups. Wow. So I had to go by myself. No So kidding. to this day, I still have to kick him in the ass for yeah. that, right? So, you know, long story short, he Ultimate is... Ultimate hang it over his head type <laughs> thing. Yeah, man. Yeah, so he's in an officer-involved shooting. And uh, he got to the point where he was about to take his own life. And um, he says he still has the bullet that he was going to use. So he calls me up and he's like, on cloud nine. And I'm like, what? Like, he's like talking really fast. And I'm like, dude, what are you saying? He's like, dude, I just went through this five day course. And um, at this point it was called Save a Warrior. And he's like, hey, you got to go to this thing. Like, it's amazing. And he's like, dude, it'll change your life. And I'm like, okay, bro. Like, no, I'm good. Trust me. And mm. I mean, I was not good. Sure, right? sure. Yeah, you're still and, not uh, letting it on. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So he just keeps hounding me for weeks. And there was some things going on in my life and it finally got to a point where he's like, dude, just call this guy and talk to him. He's like, if you won't listen to me, talk to this guy, Adam. Right. So I call this guy, Adam and I'm like, Hey man, my buddy asked me to call you. Like, tell me about this thing. He's like, Hey man, he's like, this is basically like a five day war detox. He's like, we are going to put you through a bunch of different types of therapies. And he goes, you know, it's going to really help you. And I'm like, Hey man, that sounds cool and all. I was like, but I don't think anything's going to make me feel better. And he, he said it over the phone. I can still hear him clear as day. He goes, Anthony, I promise you, if you come to Kansas City and you go through this course, you will feel better than before you even went into the Marine Corps. And I was like, there's no way, dude. Like, too many bad things have happened. And he's like, dude, you just got to trust me. So I literally, the two weeks before regionals in California, I flew back to Kansas City, just like ghosted my entire team. And then I went through that course. And it was just five days. And essentially what they do is they teach you about how your brain responds to trauma, right? So when you're under stress for too long, the um, amygdala takes over, right? And so it essentially, and it's like a muscle. If you feed it, it grows. If you use it a lot, it grows. Well, when you're in stressful environments and your life is on the line a lot, that thing's going to grow. What can happen over time is it becomes so large that the uh, prefrontal cortex actually starts to shrink. So when we're talking about po- people with post-traumatic stress, like it isn't just like a feeling thing, like their brains are literally different. And that's why they're so like hyper aware and things like that, because they're literally with all the stress that's put on them, they, ha- they, they're built different now. Now through meditation, you can actually reverse the process. So one of the first things they taught us was how to meditate and they had it made us meditate twice a day for 20 minutes. Wow. Th- and then they go through all these different therapies. They go through like talk therapy. They go through equestrian therapy. They do like a ropes course and all these different things. And I'm telling you, by the end of the week of going through it, I had told people things that had happened to me I'd never told anybody. And I felt, and it's, well, one, I slept through the night for the first time in years. And then from there, I felt better than I had ever felt. And my sister picked me up, and we drove off the property. (sighs) Sorry, still get a little choked up thinking about it. Um, So we drove off the property, and she looks at me, and she goes, how do you feel? And I was like, I've never felt this good pretty awesome that's awesome that's man. special yeah. man yep are they still around that oh, this yeah, is the so battle within now right yeah that's the, battle the, it's the same program, same program. Which, and what's really been cool about it is the, you know save a warrior still out in california but trying to do two remote things weren't working so then they were like okay we're going to do our own thing here and then it's actually that split off and there's now multiple organizations that do this same type of thing for people mm-hmm. and all of them are great like all of them do a good job can, can you describe that feeling that you had with your sister leaving that because it was something that clearly like she couldn't understand, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure she wanted to, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. What was, what was that like? 
Oh my gosh. Um, just felt lighter, like felt, um, something like it all had out, like for literally my entire life. I hadn't, I didn't, I didn't know it, but I've been having panic attacks since I was a kid and I had no idea what they were. I just knew that there were these moments where I had to like focus really hard and like catch my breath and everybody else looks fine around me and nobody notices, but inside like I'm sweating and I'm like, my heart is racing. And until like I went through that course, I had no idea what this was. So, um, having this feeling of just peace, like having this feeling of just being calm, having this feeling of just feeling like weightless, like this whole weight is just taken off my shoulders. I mean, that's as good as I can explain it, but I'm telling you, it was like the lights finally came back on. That's so cool, man, that, they, that, um, you know, that there's this help out there for, mm-hmm. for people who are going through this and, yeah. you know, veteran suicide is only getting, seems to be getting more rampant. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we, how do we it's just a huge generation of veterans that, yeah. you know, especially with the, the, the Iraq war, you know, the war in the middle East went on for what, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a lot, you know, there's generations there. and generations of people, mm-hmm. you know, that they're dealing with the repercussions of that, you know, to, to help with the, I think our listeners to help understand a little bit more. Is there a movie or thing that you could connect with? For example, you know, I, I, again, I, I can only, um, pretend to empathize, right. I no idea what that's like. Um, but I felt like as a, as a viewer, right. The, the movie that connected with me and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, but hurt locker, I felt like did this amazing imagery of making someone who's never been in the military understand what it's like being out of the military. Mm-hmm. And you know, what scene I'm talking about in that movie by chance. Um, it's toward the end, right? Where yeah, yep. he's like he's walking, walking in the grocery store. Yep, he's yep. in like Walmart, and there's a <laughs> book, and his you know his lady's like, hey, you know, like will you grab the cereal? And he just stood in the aisle, just being like, why the fuck am I here? Yeah. He's just looking around, like, what am I doing? I had the exact same, uh, well, a, a very similar uh, situation happen when I got back from Iraq in 2006. I remember going into the gas station. I was I had a girlfriend down. Um, she had just moved to uh, La Jolla. So I was going to drive down and see her. It was the first time they let us off the base after we got back. And I drove into a gas station, filled up my car, and then I went in. And I just had this moment where I'm just standing there and I'm looking at all of the gum and just like all of the choices and just all of the colors and everything. And I had just had this moment where like I don't even know how long I stood there. But the clerk was like, hey, bro, you all right? <laughs> and like I was just overwhelmed. And it, and it is one of those things of like, man, two weeks ago, I was literally driving on IED infested roads, hoping that we didn't hit a bomb. And now I'm looking at 19 different gums. And I, it's, it was just like these two worlds that seem so far. You're like, how, how, how am yeah. I like, you know, it living the same life, <laughs> yeah. but it's yeah. so different, you know, that close together. Yep. It's wild. It's just like, it just goes to show how much civilians just don't understand like what people go through to where we have that freedom to look at 19 gums. Oh right? yeah, Absolutely. Or, and you're just like, whoa, yeah, what is, I mean, you, know? you start to take things for granted because you're just surrounded by them all the time. You right. know? And I think that's why I don't necessarily think everybody should serve the military, but everybody should get outside the country at some point. Because when you've been to other countries that are shitholes, you start to look at this place and realize that we got it pretty freaking good. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think it also helps you, you know, want to, con- I mean, you can't come back from that not wanting to contribute more yeah. and, and, and wanting to, you know, just have a totally different mindset. Oh, just the appreciation alone. You know, like, do you, do you ever feel like the, uh, uh, when you first came back, did you feel resentment towards American people? Cause I know a lot of military guys when they're going through, you know, the trying to readjust to coming back from war and they see things like the, the gum or they see th- people being the petty, entitlement, the yeah. entitlement yeah. and they have a hard time getting over that. That's like one of the steps that a lot of people have a hard time with. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I felt necessarily resentment. It's mostly, um, it's mostly people's audacity, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the, the resentment of like, Hey, people are just living nice, comfortable lives. Cause that's why we do it. Right. It's so that you can live this nice, safe, comfortable life and you can, you know, continue to be a great American. But when you start to talk about things that you have no idea or start to make decisions for other people that are going to lead us in a poor direction, that's when I get like the audacity of people. It's like, you've never been outside the country. You've never had your life threatened. You've never been shot at. You probably should shut your mouth and listen to people who have right mm. on certain issues, not sure. on everything, just because you were in the military does not mean that you have a, you know, a, uh, you know, a stamp of like everything I say is, is you know, gospel or, you know, it should be taken, you know, um, 
No, I'm sure there are entitlement idiot. goes I'm sure both ways. Exactly. in the, more, you know, in the yeah. military. You know, <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, hey, there's just certain things. Like when we talk about like security for the nation, like you should probably listen to veterans. Yeah. Because we've been to places that are not secure. I right? do I do think mm-hmm. that's one thing that's crazy when you listen to a politician how they talk so flippantly about war. Yep. You know, and like we should be doing this, we should be doing that. And I'm like, Yeah. Are you gonna put your boots I was about on? to say, like, you going? Yeah. Your kids going? Yeah, exactly. No, they ain't going. So yeah. like what are you talking about? Yeah. I, I mean I think if we had, if everybody who was in Congress and the Senate had to, or, you know, in, in that together, they, if they had to uh, be in the military, it, I think we'd have a much uh, different, mm, how do I say this politely? It would just be much different. Yeah. Yep. Because their, their perspective saying. would be different, you know, mm-hmm. but you get people that have never done anything and you're like, and they're making these decisions. It's like, man, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I think that, I think um, it's called narcissism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. And, and like, I mean, dude, you, you know, I appreciate your passion genuinely. And, and, um, I can speak for Kyle and I both. We definitely appreciate how much you've served our country and served us and made our lives easier. And so with the battle, battle of the brave, um, I love hearing about the battle within as far as the charity goes and how obviously it's how it's affected you personally. Mm. How, what is the creative that's, and am I saying that correctly? Yep, am yeah, I giving bits. it the proper respect? And then, you know, what does that make it unique and different? Because all I'm thinking about is how do we help more veterans find this program because of how much it impacted you? Yeah, absolutely. And that would, that, I mean, that's the entire goal of the competition is to not only you know, like raise money for these organizations, but to just like let people know like organizations like this exist. And if you're not going to get into this one or, or creative bits, there's lots out there that are going to be beneficial. Um, so creative vets, um, I went to boot camp with a guy named Richard Casper and we were in boot camp, school of infantry, security forces, Washington, DC, camp David, uh, together. So basically like the first, you know, almost three years of our first enlistment. And then we went our separate ways. I went out to the West coast and, uh, deployed with one seven. And then, um, he was in tanks. I can't remember what exactly what unit, but he ended up um, getting hit by IEDs, right? And so we had a bunch of vestibular issues, things like that. Um, so, and obviously post-traumatic stress as well. He lost his best friend there. And so, and I don't want to, I'll give you the kind of the wave tops of what I know is he went to college, he started doing, uh, he was in art classes and he was noticing that it was very beneficial to him, right? He was, uh, it was really helping with his post-traumatic stress. And so somehow we worked it out with the um, the Art Institute in Chicago that they would give scholarships to veterans. So he started That's Creative cool. Vets, and that was kind of the first thing. That's awesome. Now it's turned into this thing of like, I think they're doing that, and they now take veterans and they send them down to Tennessee, and they have them working with country music stars to basically write songs to help them kind of process their experiences. No kidding. And so at the Battle of the Brave, we'll actually have uh, a thing where you can have a QR code and you can listen to the Spotify playlist that these guys have made. How cool. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty Dude, awesome. I'm looking forward to listening to that. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. That is a cool, like, and these, are authentic, some... and these are authentic experiences yeah. to go with it, too. Mm-hmm. I bet mean, country artists are like, yeah, come on down here. I need some, <laughs> like, this will be some real shit that oh, I'm yeah. hearing. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. I want to get in, you know, we'll get into the competition here, but before, um, something that's really been, I feel like, rampant in the news uh, over the course of just like the last, like, 24 months is the use of psychedelics with veterans to mm-hmm. help them with coping and how helping them with the PTSD as well. Yep. Um, have you had any friends or anybody who's talked about this with you that have shared, you know, their experiences? Has that been helpful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've actually had a lot of friends that have done those experiences. I've seen it work 90% of the time. I think there are always going to be outliers. Um, uh, well, I say if they go through the entire treatment, I've seen it work really well. Guys who just show up there with still drugs in their system, probably not going to work so well. Sure. Yeah. I've seen a couple or of Or it's those. like <laughs> if you're doing this in like in a controlled environment mm-hmm. with people that you love and trust versus like, I'm going to take a shitload of acid and <laughs> yeah. see what happens. Yeah. I, I think exactly. you're supposed to, like, especially when you're using it as treatment, you have to get it like administered by mm-hmm. a doctor. There's a specific protocol that they have to follow. Yeah, and I'm just like that it's even possible for them to get that kind of help now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm that's saying? That's pretty awesome. Well, even that's Texas is actually, they pass and they're doing a bunch of stuff studies on the veterans with it. So I think MDMA is like the big one, isn't mm-hmm. it? Or yeah, is it psilocybin, psilocybin that's like more It'd be psilocybin, psilocybin, which is, yeah. would be mushrooms, you mm-hmm. know, would be more famous for that. MDMA is like, um, 
like more like Molly. That's dopamine, but I'm, crazy I'm pretty sure that that's the one for veterans like that is dealing with PTSD is like making the biggest impact. They're they're testing both of them. Uh, yep, yeah. They've been, I've listened to a bunch of podcasts with some veterans that talking about it, and they've gone through the treatments and then done ayahuasca and things like. Is that, that right though? They're doing MDMA versus the like, uh, no, uh, they're doing both psilocybin. Yep. Okay, yep. From what I understand, I could sure. be wrong. Yep, sure. Man. Um, it's just cool to see that um you know things that obviously have been um you know, I would say like at least a lot of sticks have been shaken at for a lot, a lot of years mm-hmm. um, being used in a way that is genuinely helpful for so many. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, and I mean, I mean, we were at war for 20 years. So, you, you know, it's, and it was obviously a different kind of war. You had this process of you're literally on a battlefield one day and then you're getting sent home and then your units spinning up again six months later and then you're going right back into it. I mean, units redeployed over and over and over. That's the first time we've done this ever. So like, I don't think we understood exactly what was going to happen. So to see that even our, you know, our government higher level, you know, government is saying, Hey, we're going to try anything we can to help these guys is a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah I think, uh, you know, I listened to a couple of veteran podcasts. I don't know if you've ever heard of Andy Stump. Oh yeah. He's got the sure. weird hot podcast. Mm-hmm. He was talking about because he was deployed so much. He's like, I just, well, I'd come home and I wouldn't be home. Mm-hmm. Like, he's oh, yeah. like, you know, I, I knew I was going back out. I was going to be home for, you know six weeks, six weeks or whatever it was. And he's like, you know, it just was a constant cycle. And I think there's lots of people that live that life that are now just like, okay, now I'm home. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I deal with home now? Yeah. yeah well, what, what movie was, uh, was it American sniper that, uh, uh, he was, he was going through that. Uh-huh. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, well, they're asking me redeployed because they're like, my home life is no longer even like something I can really work on right mm-hmm. now. Cause I'm mentally just, well, I mean, just think about it. It's like, it's the op tempo. You literally are, you're either in war, you're coming home from it, or you're training for it and then leaving again. And mm-hmm. so you really never get a chance to relax. And getting back to like, kind of like what I was saying earlier about how your brain changes. Yeah. It's like, imagine being under that stress for that long. It's like you, and that's what's amazing about human beings. It's like you can adapt to anything. So these guys, you know, male and female, they're adapting to being like, hey, I'm like light, fight or flight. Like I'm either going to fight for my life or we're running out of here. And mm-hmm. that's what they were living for, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 deployments, you know? And it's just like, of course, like there's going to be a physical change that happens. And that's, and so you talk about like guys coming home and they're just like, I mean, think about it. Like you can't just whoop it on. You can't go from like, Hey, I was, you know, trying to not get killed driving down highways, you know, getting blown up with my friends to now I'm supposed to be changing diapers and supposed to be, uh, the life of the party and talking to people, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I experienced the same thing and like, I'll tell you like my experience overseas is not even close to what, you know, a lot of my friends and uh, a lot of the Marines and, you know, all the other branches experience. So, and knowing how hard it was for me to just feel comfortable in normal situations and stuff. And what was great about the battle within is they teach you, Hey, this is why, and this is a way that you can start to feel better and you can start to integrate back into society is through meditation, through these daily practices, you can start to get your amygdala to calm down and start using that prefrontal cortex again so that you can actually kind of almost switch it back to where you're kind of, you know, more of a person as opposed to a machine. Mm. This is going to be more of a personal question, Anthony, but what are your thoughts? Like when you see, let's say a homeless veteran on the side of the road, do you, in your mind, do you think, oh my gosh, I empathize wholeheartedly. I, I, I believe that they're a veteran so on and so forth. I feel like the jury is just so split so mm-hmm. far out on that. When you see homeless veterans on the side of the road, do you believe that, that that's what they are? No. You know what I mean? 90% of the time, no. Right. And they're trying to leverage yeah, that. The, yeah. Definitely. You, th- I, you think, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you wonder, you Well, know? and I can just say you from personal hat, experience. I'm, you know? I'm walking out, <laughs> you know, I'm walking out of my house one day and this dude's got an, you know, a, a, what they call an army jacket. It's just camouflage with, you know, some chevrons on it. Right. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, I served. And then you start asking a couple of questions like yeah, bullshit. Well, it was your yeah, MOS yeah or, exactly. Yeah. Know? Like what duty station were you at? Like what years were you in? You know? And it's just like, no. Um, and then also like, just understanding the fact of like, there are so many resources for veterans out there. Like people talk negatively about the VA, but the VA actually does a very good job and they want to help, but it really just comes down to these veterans. And I, and we hear it so often, but it's really just like, Hey, if you're suffering, just reach out to somebody, right? Like just ask, there are so many resources and like more than anything, just kind of getting the message out that like it can get better. Like I'm telling you, like regardless of how bad you feel, what you saw, what you did, whatever it is, like what you're dealing with, like 
there is so many ways that you can improve. And, and like, I think that's, I, I just think there's no excuse for veterans because we have so many things that we can do to get better. That's a, that's a great clip right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, I'm just saying like, that's important for people to hear, yeah. you know what I mean? Especially veterans. Like there's so many resources out there for lots of people that are dealing with lots of things. Mm-hmm. And you have to be proactive to actually want to make a change, mm-hmm. you know, but it's so for so many, they're already back into this victim mindset, which is understandable mm-hmm. um, where that's like, they feel hopeless and they feel like there's no real help. And it's like, they don't really care. And I don't want to have to, they also know, just don't want to be a burden. Yeah. That's the thing. But here's problem. the yeah. thing. Like, I mean, so my best friend killed himself in 2012 and I'm telling you, like it, it's, <laughs> you just put the burden on everybody else. Yeah. Like you, t- it, you know, for saying, for saying like, I don't want to be a burden. So I'm going to take myself off the chessboard. It's like, no man, all you're doing is you're putting your pain on everybody else. And I can attest to it. Yeah. Cause I still think about him every single day. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I mean, if, you know, if I could go even one step farther, it's just saying this, it's like, I'm telling you, like there was a point where I almost took my t- myself off the chessboard. Right. I was in a barracks room with a pistol in my hand and I was like, I'm like, and it was just a few weeks after him. And it was just like, I just couldn't do it anymore. And for some reason I didn't, I put it down and I just went about my day But like, I think about everything that's happened from that point forward and I would have missed out on so much, right? Like I have this amazing community at my gym. I just got married. Like I I got to see my nieces grow up, like all of these amazing positive things. And so like letting veterans know like, Hey man, like I'm telling you, like you're going to miss out on so many amazing things. Like all you got to do is freaking stay. That's it. Right. Just be brave enough to stay around one more day and then do it the next day and then do it the next day. Is that how your gym got the name? Uh, ish. Right. Um, but it uh, applies to a lot of different things. It does. Brave, yeah. brave enough to step in the gym. Yep. You know, exactly. Like my, my thing is this, is I really believe that people are fully capable of living amazing, badass life of overcoming any obstacle that gets in their way. You just have to be brave enough to take that first step. And then the next, and then the next, you don't have to have this Herculean amount of effort to do something amazing. All you have to do is look at that first obstacle in front of you and then just tackle it. And then the next thing you know, you look back and it's 10 years down the road and you literally are in a point in your life where you never thought you could get, you couldn't even envision it at that time. Right. And I mean, that's kind of like, you know, in some ways, like my story, I mean, I barely graduated high school. My sophomore year, I didn't even go. I graduated, I had a 0.2 GPA. I still have nightmares about not graduating high school because I was so worried I wasn't going to be able to go to the Marine Corps. And as I think back, you know, I, I even had teachers that said like, you won't make it in the Marines. Like they literally to my face are like, you'll never be a Marine. And I just decided, nope, I'm going to do it. Well, I graduated as, uh, I got uh, meritoriously promoted, right? Um, and then from there, I got meritoriously, meritoriously promoted again, right? And uh, my next, or what's that think, mean for our listeners? Uh, so essentially, like at a boot camp, I was a squad leader. So instead of giving out as a private, I was a private first class, all right? And then I think a few duty stations later, I became a Lance Corporal. So I just got promoted early, sure. meritoriously. Um, but, you know, I just kept making those, those decisions. I just kept taking that next step. I just kept challenging myself a little bit more. And again, like if you had looked at me in high school, you'd be like, this kid's never going to become anything. And then I just kept going. And I, I just know that I'm, I'm not special. And most people aren't. All you do is do special things. Right. That's awesome, man. I really appreciate you sharing that. We're, um, you know, we're very excited about this, this competition coming up. It's your eighth year for it. Mm-hmm. What, what makes this competition different than other CrossFit comps? Like what, you know, if you're just outside of the, you know, um, you know, the charities that it, that it helps fund, you know, what would you say to somebody who is, who is looking to sign up for it that would be different about your, your event than other CrossFit events? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so the first thing is when we started the event, we were using hero workouts. It's kind of the backbone of the programming. Um, you know, when you see kind of like CrossFit events, they're very fun. Don't get me wrong. But um, I really love hero workouts because more than anything, I love for people to understand like, hey, the reason you're here is because of these guys. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it just, you know, connecting the veteran community with those who we've lost, you know, from their time in service and getting people to um, feel like they're there for more than just what's on the podium. Like, <laughs> here's the thing. We've never had like amazing podium prizes, but people still come out every year and they throw down and they, I mean, I put them through some really hard workouts um, because they're doing it for more than just what the podium prize, or they're doing it for more than just the post on Instagram. They're doing it because they're, you know, in my, you know, the way I see it is they're doing it as a way to like say thank you 
to acknowledge the fact that like they're, they're grateful for what these men and women did. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of one of the things that is different as I look at, I take the CrossFit.com hero workouts and I look at rep schemes and I look at movement patterns and I'm like, okay, we're going to kind of pull from this and we're going to pull from this. Um, and then we put it in a team format and try to make it really fun. Yeah. yeah, you guys, I, I think, think the from, a, from a spectator's perspective, though, I would like to say that you guys do a great job on making it a very fun event to mm -hmm. spectate. Yeah. Uh, CrossFit competitions sometimes do not lend itself well um, to being able to follow along with who's winning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I feel like you guys have done a great job over the years of putting together workouts that make it really fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. I, I think I, you just got a great <clears throat> space for it, too. Dude. <laughs> too it's yeah. like you guys, had, like for anybody who's listening that hadn't been to Brave Enough, it's like, a, a very cool old like warehouse that their gym is in and um, it's, it's huge. So you can put, I don't know how many, you know, people, how many competitors you have in it, but it is always packed out North mm -hmm. Kansas city, you yeah. know, right there. In yeah. The 20,000 square feet, mm -hmm. 20,000 square feet. <laughs> yeah. That's a big, big cross. Gym. Yeah. I man cleaning those floors. The first few years were rough. <laughs> you get yourself a, uh, like a Zamboni. I got one of those bulldogs. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But it still took a long time. Um, and it was one of those things I never really thought about until yeah. we put the stall mat down. I had to clean it that first night and I was there for like two, three more hours than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, this is the longest freaking. you know, and then it's true. You know, I try to, I'm very, you know, I'm very fortunate, you know, and the way brave enough happened is I went to, uh, the battle within and I was at that program and Andrew Potter sat and sat down next to me and he was just like, Hey, is your name Anthony? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, I heard you're the CrossFit guy. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, dude, every time I ask somebody about CrossFit, your name always comes up. Well, I was Jim Caskey had one of the first CrossFit gyms in Kansas city, CrossFit matters down on the plaza. And I was one of his first coaches. I think I was his first coach. Well, a lot of the people who we trained, opened up gyms after. Yeah. So like I trained, you know, at that time, a lot of the people who, you know, were gym owners. So my name just would come up. Well, he looks at me and he's like, Hey man, when we get done this week, I got something to show you. And I was like, okay, who's this hippie, you know, kind of thing. And so we, uh, after the week is, we, uh, you know, the week was over and we drove into North Kansas city and he's like, Hey, I'm going to put a rock climbing gym in here. And he goes, I love the concept of having a CrossFit gym next to it. And he was like, would you like to do it? And so I took a month off and I went to New Zealand and backpacked for a month. And then I came back and I started building the gym. Right. And so like that all happened as a result. That's cool. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Yep. You could have a whole separate podcast. Right? I know, Jeff. Like, as soon as I'm you like, said that, Jeff's like, I want to talk about New Zealand. Zealand. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was the most amazing trip of my life. Just straight up and went then, to Narnia and yeah. hung out with I mean, the... and, and imagine like me, like I literally just got out of battle with him. I competed at regionals in California. So I had these two amazing things happen in my life. I finally accomplished that goal. And then next thing I know, I'm in New Zealand. And I, to be perfectly honest, when I was flying over to Iraq, I, I kind of promised myself, was like, if I make it home, I'm going to go. And then it just took me a long time to get yeah. there. Was that the, uh, like the, in your mind, was it like the most beautiful place you could go visit? I mean, I was just one of those guys. I saw Lord of the Rings when yeah. I was in high school. And you know, I, was I, like, go I, just, I was like, I got to see it. And I fell yeah. in love with that movie. I read the books like multiple times. Totally. And so I had always wanted to do it. And it was just an opportunity to do it. I've, so. just, I've been told it's more beautiful in person. It you I have took so many pictures and none of them yeah. do Your it Your eyeballs justice. are the only ones that matter. It there. really yeah. is. It's incredible. And then the people are amazing. And it was just, yeah. Was My brother awesome. even chose New Zealand as his, uh, where they went for their honeymoon. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Three weeks in, in New Zealand for yeah. their honeymoon. I was mm -hmm. like, damn. I usually tell people this. Like, you have a list, right? So it's like sleeping, you know, so like breathing, sleeping, eating. New Zealand needs to be at the top. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously, just go. It's so cool. That's wild. And one of our one of our good friends of our company, uh, Cinnamon Guns, dude. Tori. Oh, yeah, Tori. She just moved there. Really? Did she really? Straight up up and moved. Wow. Straight from uh, Shawnee, Kansas to New Zealand. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> a big transition. Yeah, dude. I don't, that's wild. Uh, she's a Kiwi now. Yeah, All exactly. Right. Very cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool because one of my buddies was special forces down for the New Zealand Army. And uh, like getting to, t I like the first day I was there, I got to hang out with him and everything. And that just whole, a whole nother level of awesome. I can only imagine. Uh, Bro, yeah. I you know what I always think about. special forces dude from New Zealand? <laughs> What's that? How do you come across a special forces dude uh, from Kind of long story. I worked for a church for uh, a while and the secretary there was from Canada. And so her son he, um, went to New Zealand and he met a girl and then he had to come back and he was in America for a while, was waiting for his visa. Then he went back over, married the girl and went, got into the military and then. The story just progressed in there. Unreal. So yeah, <laughs> yeah kind of wow. crazy. 
Every time I think of New Zealand, I think about the uh, rugby. What do they do before? Oh, the haka? Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Dude, I'm Seen like, let's person? go, dude. Oh, yeah. Let's go. I got to stay at a Maori village one night, and they did a haka for us, and yeah. it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. And again, it's one of those ones where, like, you know, you see video, you see content, and it's cool, and it, it has opened all of us up to so much of uh, things we would have never seen before and known, but there's nothing like experiencing it for yourself, seeing it in person, and just, like, hearing them scream, watching them, hit, like, it's just crazy. Pretty awesome. Did you play any rugby while you are over there? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> My God, they have them started like seven years old. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. We did uh, stop in a bunch of pubs on the way and, like, watch rugby. I still have no idea how it's played. <laughs> no, yep. no. It's it's kind of like hockey where I don't fully understand. Oh, okay. I was like, it's nothing like it. You know, you're no, I'm just saying, like, I, I love uh-huh. watching it, but you're like, when they call icing, I'm like, I don't know what that is. I don't even is. know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> I, played, I played rugby in high school and, and loved it, and uh, the way I learned legitimately was um, I bought the video game oh really i swear to god okay. put it on a ps2 to try to figure out how to play because it was a club sport mm. right and uh yeah just it's it's awesome I, I, won't, I won't waste our time talking about it but uh <laughs> yeah the, the fun fact is you know everybody's like oh you know it's way more badass or hard ass than playing football mm. uh american football at least right and um you think in your head like oh they, they're, they're allowed to uh everybody can just hit each other full force whatever my first game I ever played, I got my eyelid stepped on oh, where like it pinched the skin. It didn't actually get on my eyeball and everybody has to wear steel tipped cleats for you to like actually mm-hmm. be able to stick in the ground. And so like I had metal tips on all of my cleats and uh, also b- shattered my nose uh, playing, playing like later on. But uh, yeah, it's, this is as bad as you think. But the thing that's so funny about the sport that you wouldn't ever think is you're allowed to wear pads like shoulders, a shoulder pad set that you can wear and no one knows this. But the rule is that it has to be an eighth of an inch thick or less. And so it's oh. like pointless. Yeah, literally right? yeah, no point whatsoever. But, but the people that wear it will say it just gives them this mental thought of like, I'm at least I'm wearing something. So they go all Not out. Not just a rock all around. Right. In their yeah. head, they're just like, ah, you know what? That means that gives me the, the security in my head enough to where I can just go all out for a tackle. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, man. It's, yeah, I couldn't do that. It's rough. Yeah. Just put that way. I, we have a couple guys in the gym that played rugby for a bit. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, we have, one guy's a lawyer and he literally came in and his oh. whole right side of his face was just black. And I was like, uh, law that, or rugby? Yeah. He's like, rugby. <laughs> like, that's going to be awkward in court. Yeah, yeah right? Oh, like man. yeah, like you know, all of a sudden he's in court, and they're like, "Did they? Did, they, did the defendant do something? Like mm-hmm. put you up to something here? Like, oh no, it's all good, man. <laughs> oh no, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but getting back to your question Sorry. about, you know, I, I just I <clears throat> I was very fortunate to meet Andrew and Frank and and them be my business partners, and and then find that space at that time. Like, no, there was nothing going on in North Kansas City. You know, we were kind of the first like yeah. big spectacles there. Um, and I'm very aware that like. Other CrossFit gyms, they're very limited on space. A lot of people don't have room for rope climbs. You know, they don't have room to run. They don't have room to pull pull and push sleds. So I'm always thinking about that when I'm doing the programming. It's like, hey, what are going to be the things that, like, I'm not able to do this at my gym. I want to be able to do this. You know, like climbing a net one year, you know. Yeah. And um, I just think it's more fun, you know. It's like... Nothing wrong with cycling barbells and doing interval sprints on the assault bike. But, man, if I got freaking 30-foot ceilings, I'm, I'm, we're doing rope climbs. <laughs> yeah, I think the the year that I did it, the first workout, was uh, it was DT plus rope climbs and rowing. And yeah. uh, I, I quickly – I agreed to do it with a team that I didn't know any of the people. And I quickly found out that nobody on the team could climb ropes but me. Oh, yeah. And that made for a long <laughs> workout because I think it was like – what was it, 15 or I think something? it was 15, yeah. It was a lot of rope climbs. Too many rope climbs for me while also doing DT. Yeah, because it was like it was like two rounds of DT, and then you had a, uh, rope climbs in between. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, it was yeah. brutal. And that was the one, the year where we It was had- on Friday, which they, for, for people who are listening, the Friday is really cool. They play, like, music, and it's like... We got, it's like a club. The lights are off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We spend a lot of money on lights. Yeah. That's for sure. It's pretty cool. It's and that, definitely... Was that the year that I snatched with you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, your partner was my gone. Co- my partner was gone. And you're like, dude, you still want to do it? And I was like, sure, let's, let's go. go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it was fun, dude. You guys, uh, like I said, the production value that you put behind it, where did you guys get the inspiration for that? Because it's not. it's simply just not like any other CrossFit competition when it comes to that. You guys put a lot of production, a lot of great media behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's seemingly, you know, extremely important to how it goes as far as how it's presented. Mm-hmm. It's not just a competition to, you know, hey, a lot of like, dude, bottom line is a lot of a lot of gyms will put on an event that's to raise money. But because it's to raise money, 
they don't put a lot of effort behind the production of the event, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I, I mean, as you were asking that question, I was thinking of a lot of different things. So I think through working for Progenics for so long, I met a lot of people that, uh, I think they caught, I was able to see things from a different perspective because of them, you know, the way that they looked at like even the way they designed their t-shirts or the way that we designed the bags and everything is like how important that was. And I kind of think it kind of stuck with me. And then we also ran some pretty cool events while I was a part of that. And then also like, I mean, I've been in doing a CrossFit since 2008. So I've watched Dave Castro and watched, um, all these different regional events. And I, you know, and just kind of like looking at what hypes people up and, uh, the content that CrossFit put out from 2010 to like 2013 was like amazing. Yeah. Um, and also like progenics put out some pretty cool stuff that back then too, when they were doing their thing. And so as I'm, th- you know, thinking through events, I am thinking about like, will this look good? Like from an outside, like when these shots are taken, is it going to make people be like, man, that was badass? You know, that was really cool. Uh, and so for me, it's just worth the extra effort. You know, I really want, I guess, and I, it also goes back to m- myself as well. Like I, I was really fortunate that, when I was younger, I did a bunch of things that people looked at and they were like, that's just kind of crazy. But like, it was so pivotal to the things that I did going forward. And I want people to look at battle the brave as like, I don't want them to look and be like, I did that. That was really freaking hard. That was like nuts. Like it was in the dark and I'm climbing ropes and somebody else is freaking throwing a sandbag over there, you know, and all of this stuff. And I want them to be able to look back on the event and be like, man, I'm so glad I did that. Like what's the next thing I'm going to do. So what's uh, have you ever done? So, you know, for people who are listening that might not be aware of like what Dave Castro had does to, for the open, mm-hmm. he basically just goes out, explains the workout. And then he has two, you know, high level CrossFit athletes that go and do the workout right away. Have you ever thought about doing that for the competition or have you done it? Um, Basically, like, just Friday night, you show up and you're like, all right, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And nobody's prepared for yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's why I kind of throw in different things every year. Yeah. So like last year, like the workout was supposed to be for time and then I made it an AMRAP. And it's just one of those ones like I'm an old school CrossFitter uh, by my estimation, I would say. Right. Uh-huh. Been doing it a long time, 14 years now. And the whole point of CrossFit is being prepared for the unknown and the unknowable. Right. And so you train this way so that no matter what physical task comes up, you're going to be ready for it. Yeah. Right. And so I do want to give people enough of an idea about what they're going to experience so that they sign up. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, I also want to give them that. Oh shit. That's a wrench in the system. Now we have to adjust because it's just fun. Yeah. Right? I love seeing people scramble, especially the elite teams. You know, yeah. I love them being like, Whoa, what now we have to do this. I'm like, yep. Now you got to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, uh, has anybody ever done this before? But just like the idea of you setting that one of the, one of my favorite things in marketing is, is, uh, the mystery, the mystery bag, the mm. grab bag, you buy something, you don't know what you're going to get. Oh yeah. And, um, have you guys ever thought about doing that? Like just having like a bunch of different, I, um, pieces of a workout and like a bag and like letting everybody draw right in front of the whole crowd. Like we're going to do this and then we're also going to do, and, the, yeah. and it's like, you know, it's going to be like a worm or it's going to be, or like, what do they call it? Big snake. Yeah. The, the worm. worm. Yep. Yeah. yeah yep. Like doing, doing like a worm workout or whatever it, it may be, but like how fun would that be? Is it on the spot? When we I think do they it? used to do that. It was with they, the ball. It was thing. a hopper. Yeah. yeah it was that's, a hopper. that's actually one of the tenets of CrossFit is yeah. the hopper model to prove the method. Right. And you know, Greg Glassman would say like, Hey, you know, I'm turning a hopper and every exercise rep scheme, whatever it is, is on a on ball. The ball. Yeah. What don't you want to come out? That's what we're going to do. Yeah. Like that's the thing you should focus on. So for some people that's like running a 5k for other people that's doing strict pull-ups yeah. and he's Bar like, it's, it's just or, a, it's a yeah. mental model to say like, Hey, what should you be working on for your fitness? Cause the thing you don't want to happen when the shit hits the fan, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know if I could do it for battle of the brave just because teams and things like that. Yeah. But if you we also ever, like, you know, how fun though. It would, doing, <laughs> it would be awesome. Yeah. Sure. When you're doing a multi-day event like that and you're trying to make sure that everybody makes it till the end, it's mm-hmm. like, you, there's only so much like, but I'm guessing I've never programmed for a, you know, event like that, but I'm guessing you couldn't have just, Oh, here's four workouts of just strictly squats. You <laughs> yeah, know, or for sure. Well, no, you'd do everything and then be like, you know, whatever you, I put it this way. Like you could easily program it to where you know what the grab bag stuff is going to be. Oh, for sure, yeah. To where, like, the Oh, spike. yeah, this is a total mystery. Yeah, no, it's nah. a, no, no, no. <laughs> but, like, he, someone has to make the, the balls and ride yeah. them out, you know, and yeah. ride them out. All I'm getting at is, like, if he knows that, like, for example, it was, like, heavy on legs all day, 
you know, he's going to program five different types of arm workouts that are in there. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, this is the spicy bag yep. that we grab from. <laughs> this is what's going to make it spicy today. And we don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it'd be funny. Well, and, and, uh, and you can make it different every day. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, we, what we are doing. It happen. Yeah. Maybe if we ever do an individual comp. So, yeah. 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 Um, but I will say, we never let people know what the last event is, except when I accidentally publish it on the website. <laughs> I, I messed up. Oops. There was one year I was like so excited for this event because it's uh. like, I've never seen a, I think it was an EMOM we did. And it was with the front rack lunges with the axle bar. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was literally probably my favorite event we've ever done out of all of the years. But I, I, like, I accidentally published it. So everybody already knew about it. And I, so I was like, got up there and I was like, you were going to do it. And they're like, yeah, we know. I'm like, damn it. Like, dang it. Did you yeah. not know in the moment when you I were didn't up know. there? No, That's I literally, because, so yeah, and I guess. Wait was, till you guys hear about this. Yep. And they're like, yeah, we already knew that yesterday. So. Yeah, oh, it was a like you guys actually checked the website. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, but uh, this year the final workout is top secret. Nobody's going to know about it. So I told everybody who's our on the judges uh, panel um, or the judges for the event. I was like, hey, if anybody finds out about this, I know who told them. Yeah, I was like, don't tell them. Don't tell them. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but it wasn't a hand. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. it was a real gun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so all right. So for all of us, they're they're like totally hyped up about this event now. Um, when, when can they go? Where's it going to be? What's the date? What's the time? Yeah. So brave enough CrossFit is in North Kansas city, one, five, two, seven house street. Um, and then it is going to be Friday and we're opening the doors at 4 PM. Do not come to the gym next Friday, next Friday, which this is going to air on February Tuesday, 2nd so. and 3rd. Yep. yep. So be this Friday for everybody listening. Yep. If you're listening, cause it'll be aired next Tuesday. Cool. Yeah. So this Friday and it, oh, doors open at 4 PM. Do not show up at the gym before 4 PM. Cause I'm still running around like a maniac trying to get stuff done. Yeah. And then from there, uh, we'll, uh, get into the gym. Uh, doors open at 8 a.m. on Saturday. We'll start at 9 a.m. with the National Anthem, and then we'll go to about 5 or 6 p.m. on Saturday. For all those that are attending, I've been to this event several times. If there is a patch of asphalt anywhere near that gym, just, go ahead and park there. Yep, yeah, exactly. And yep. it just doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing going on in North Kansas City on the weekend, so, yeah, anything, any People open are just space. parked on roofs. There's just, I mean, like, there is just cars sprawled everywhere. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. No way to get to a dumpster on that day. Honestly, it's crazy sometimes <laughs> when I, like, walk through the crowd. I'm like, there are so many people in this gym. You yeah. actually can't walk through the south side of mm-hmm. your gym. Yep. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, packed. and I didn't, so when I program it this year we're not using my the west side of the gym yeah. we're only using the east side of the gym yeah. so hopefully it'll help with like moving people around and everything but man it gets packed in there sometimes so, so is the west side of the gym is the the, the warm-up area yeah yeah yep that'll yeah. be where it is awesome cool. man mm-hmm. um anything else as far as what we want to do is make sure that people can find you what's mm-hmm. uh can you give us your socials or if anybody would like to ask you questions, how can they best get a hold of you? Yeah, so uh, you can go to, um, on Instagram, we got The Battle of the Brave. Uh, we also have Brave Enough CrossFit, and then mine is Coach Anth underscore Madonia. So Awesome. And then, yeah, just basically on Instagram, I'll be honest, I don't do social media too much, except for like the event. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So Battle of the Brave messaging would probably be the best way to get a hold of you then? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah, or just info at bravekc.com or hello at bravekc.com. Awesome, man. Dude, thanks so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks, Love dude. sitting down with yeah, you. Seriously, this awesome. has been so great, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. Really appreciate it. All right.